Well, good morning, Greenwich. Today is Saturday. It's July 25th, and it's great to welcome you as we come to the end of another week. Uh, thanks for taking a few moments out of your day uh, for a reflection upon a psalm, uh, as well as some continued thinking together about our faith. Uh, the morning psalm is Psalm 85. Uh, I like this one. Of course, I like them all. <laughs> But uh, portions of this I have committed to memory, and uh, I think it's, it, this, is a, this is a great psalm uh, to offer in prayer, uh, just to give our attention to God who loves us and cares for us even in the midst of uh, difficult circumstances. And so this is for the director of music. It's a psalm of the sons of Korah. They were the worship leaders in Israel. You showed favor to your land, O Lord. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. You set aside all your wrath and turned from your fierce anger. Restore us again, O God, our Savior, and put away your displeasure toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will listen to what God the Lord will say. He promises peace to his people, his saints, but let them not return to folly. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good and our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. Psalm 85. And so it's a reflection upon God's grace. You have shown favor to us, your people. You've shown favor to your land. But then, uh, over time, Israel did face uh, challenges in the land. Foreign uh, nations came against them. And so this prayer seems to be recalling former uh, greatness and glory and, and favor, but in a time of distress, a calling out and and again, the hard questions that we are allowed to ask of God, to pray our questions and to pray our doubt and our struggles. And then uh, I love this, this one phrase, show us your unfailing love and grant us your salvation. And so we've been talking uh, these last two weeks about salvation. Theology 201, salvation what it is and isn't theology 202 how Jesus and the cross of Jesus um, brings into effect how God saves uh, through the cross of Jesus, the, the rescue and the remedy adequate to the need, uh, the spiritual need uh, that is ours because of our sin. And so just a, just a short reflection today to kind of close out the week. How do we know God loves us? Well, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, right? And so we do have these written scriptures 
That's Theology 101, right? The, the source of our understanding of God, our authority on God and on our lives and who we are, is, is the Scripture. That's, this is the Psalms and Proverbs. Here's the full Bible right here. And so, so God's written word is given as a testimony, as a witness to the character of God, uh, the, the, the nature of God, um, and the love of God. So we know the love of God because of what these scriptures uh, tell us. <clears throat> so Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. So the, these, these words bear witness. But it is the, the, the death of Jesus Christ on the cross that is the demonstration of God's love. There are, we can look at the creation, the beautiful sunset, the sunrise, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, little children in our arms, you know, these are, these are expressions of tenderness and mercy and kindness and the affection that God has, a good meal, uh, a, a joyful time with family and friends, many expressions of God's love and care uh, for the creation but his love is demonstrated most clearly in the cross of Jesus Christ. And so this, this phrase, unfailing love, uh, I just want to do just a short reflection. Probably we'll come to this again maybe in a few weeks when we do the, the 300 series of theology as we'll be reflecting upon the nature of God himself, God the Father, Son, and Spirit. But I'd just like to tuck this one in because it, it ties in, I believe. So this phrase in our, in our Bibles that says unfailing love, uh, some translations will have it as loving kindness or steadfast love. So it, it, there's one word, one Hebrew word that sits behind it. It's to, to kind of pronounce it properly. It's kind of chesed. It, there, there's that guttural. So it's chesed, the chesed of God. And since Eric was doing some... Uh, uh, Hebrew on, on the whiteboard in church a couple weeks ago uh, with Yahweh. And so here's Chesed uh, written, again, from right to left. The context of God's unfailing love is this covenantal relationship that he enters into covenant with Abraham and his family. And so the, there are different words for love in the um, uh, Hebrew Old Testament and in the Greek New Testament. So the, the Greek equivalent of this would be agape, okay, this, what, what sometimes is translated as unconditional love, right? So there's different kinds of love, love between uh, individuals, brotherly love, Philadelphia, okay? Um, and, so, and so God's unfailing love, it's, it's two words to translate one word. It's, there's a range of meaning, and to try to capture it, it's this it's this loyalty and what I like to sometimes call a fierce loyalty of God. He makes a commitment. Again, the covenant is God making a commitment to a people. I will be your God, you will be my people, and I will dwell with you. And so the, the care and protection, uh, the purposes uh, that, that God has uh, for his people. And so there's a loyalty. So God loves his covenant people differently than he loves all humanity. There is a general benevolent love for all people. 
People who don't know God, don't know Jesus, don't care about Him, can still enjoy a good meal, can still delight in their children, can enjoy a, a beautiful sunset, laughter uh, with, with family and friends. Um, and, and so God, there's a benevolence, a general benevolence of God towards all creatures, uh, all, all beings. There is a favor that God has shown to His creation. But there is a loyalty that God has, a fidelity to his purposes and promises to his people. There is a, a loving kindness, uh, mercy. Mercy sometimes can, can, uh, said can be translated as mercy. Or again, this concept of favor that we've said many times. And so, the love of God for his people, how do we know God loves us? How do we know this unfailing love? Well, God demonstrates it. He, he proves it. And so, I just want to just go through so, uh, just a few uh, New Testament scriptures. There are more, uh, but, but these uh, I, I like um, that, that, that speak to this. God's love that is shown at the cross. And so, I'm just going to read a, a few verses. This is uh, first from Romans chapter 5. <clears throat> I'll read a couple of verses here. You see, at just the right time, when we were still still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. Here's the key verse. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God demonstrates his love for his new covenant people, for his family. He, he demonstrates his love that while we were still sinners, again, he doesn't wait for us to clean up our act. This is one of the most misunderstood concepts, that somehow we have to clean up our act in order to come to God. No, 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 no. We'll never be able to do that. We can't save ourselves. This, this infection, this thing, this, this sin reality is in us and we can't get it out of us. And so while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so the cross is presented as the demonstration of God's love. He proves his love, shows his love. And again, this is something that's out there. Uh, in, 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 it was in public view, right? Whereas the Old Testament sacrificial system, um, the, the substitute kind of the blood is happening in, in more of a uh, um, more of a hidden way, I guess I would say it that way, kind of within the temp temple context. But Jesus' death is out uh, in, in public. Uh, Romans 8, okay, just go over another chapter. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. So again, the, the words, the cross, are not said there, but, but the concept. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. 
In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so Paul rightly connects the love of God with the death of Jesus. That is the demonstration of God's love. And so in Romans 8, he's continuing this argument, even though we participate in what he says earlier in chapter 8 is the groaning of creation. All creation is groaning. The burden of sin, the way it, 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 it excuse me, plays out into the human family. Um, and, and so the, the, the patterns and habits of the culture of the world individual struggles, family struggles, all that is the groaning of creation. And into that groaning creation, God sent his son and then presented his son as the innocent sacrifice, substitute sacrifice. And all who place their faith in him, they're justified, they're made right, they, they're brought into that new covenant family. And so this is the demonstration um, of, of his love. If God is for us, who can be against us? And so he's, he's shown that, demonstrated that. Uh, Galatians. Okay, this is again the Apostle Paul writing. Um, this was one of the first memory verses uh, years ago when I was in college after I came to faith. And so someone shared, hey, memorize this verse. And I said, okay. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, I'm going to probably start here on Monday, this Galatians 2.20. I want to talk about living the saved life. How, how do we live with the cross ever before us? How do we live, keep that, not as something that we remember once a year at Easter, right? but that we would daily live in this experience of God's love as revealed uh, on the cross. And how do we let the cross of Jesus, that which is our salvation, how do we let that shape our daily lives? And so I'm gonna, you're going to hear this Galatians 2.20 again. The life I live in the body, the life I'm living now, I live by faith in the Son of God. Again, that's placing our trust uh, in the death of Jesus, who loved me, and gave himself for me. So again, how do we know God loves us? Well, Jesus' death is the demonstration, is, is the proof. First uh, John chapter 4. Boy, this is a good one. <clears throat> and so, I'll, let me read a couple of verses, and then I'll, then I'll really highlight it on verse 10. So, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Again, so how do we know God loves us? Well, the written word of God says God is love. But then he goes on. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. So again, by faith in Jesus, we come to be in right relationship. But here we go, verse 10. This is love. Not that we loved God, 
but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And if you go back a couple days ago, I think it was the Thursday study, Romans 3.25, God presented Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement. It's the same Greek word. So this is John writing. Paul wrote the, 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 the Romans passage. The Apostle John is writing this. It's this concept. It's the, it's the mercy seat. This is love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son as the mercy seat as the Passover lamb, as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so God takes action. Love is this taking action towards another for their benefit, for their good, or for their welfare. And so God acts towards us. He initiates. Love isn't that we love God first. He lo we love because he first loved us. That, that's elsewhere in, in the same letter. And so the death of Jesus is the demonstration. It is the proof. It is the fierce loyalty of God. God intended all along to do that. And he was setting things up. And so the fidelity, kindness, mercy, favor, loving kindness of God is shown in the death of Jesus Christ on the cross as an atoning sacrifice, as a substitute for the sins of those who look to him, who who, who say, yes, I want that blood to, to uh, pay for my... I want Jesus' death to be the sufficient payment for the, 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 the sin, the penalty that I have, have, have incurred. And so uh, 1 John 4.10 is, is a, such, an important, such an important passage uh, for us to know. And then let me finish out. I'm just kind of you know, going through the New Testament. Re Revelation chapter 1. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. It's this phrase, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. The, the burden of our sin, the guilt of our sin, the chains and shackles of our sin have been broken by the blood of Jesus Christ, so that we are saved, we are rescued, we are restored, uh, we're, we're made whole. Uh, and then obviously John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so, uh, I kind of could have led with that one, but, but, but close out with that. And so this week where we've been reflecting on the, the meaning of the cross, the, the impact of the cross, what, what the cross of Jesus Christ does, I, I want to close out with this, with this reality that this is the demonstration of God's love. And so if you or someone you know ever questions the love of God, point to the cross and say, that's how we know God loves the world. That's how we know God loves us, because he gave his son to die for us.
worship tomorrow at 10 in the morning and an outdoor gathering at 7 o'clock. And uh, if you're able to join us for either or both of those, we certainly uh, welcome that and uh, invite your prayers uh, for uh, Greenwich Church and our sister churches. And may the studies this week um, prepare our hearts uh, for a deep and robust and meaningful uh, time of worship tomorrow. Let's pray. Faithful God, thank you for your unfailing covenant love and loyalty. The way you have demonstrated your love time and again, but most clearly in the death of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. By presenting him as the atoning sacrifice for our sins, as the mercy seat, you have shown to us, you have shown to the world, that you are love. And so we pray for a renewal and a revival and a spread of this message in our lives, through our lives, through Greenwich Church, through our sister churches, that they may proclaim Christ and Him crucified, uh, this supreme message of importance. And so, Father, as we close out this week of reflections, we thank you. And we wish to use this day and these set of reflections to prepare our hearts for worship tomorrow. Show favor, Lord, as we gather in the morning and as we gather in the evening outdoors for our Vesper service. Uh, may your loving kindness, may your favor and mercy uh, be shown to us in, in such sweet and, and wonderful ways. Father, this day we pray for healing, we pray for comfort, uh, we pray for hope for those in the church family uh, who are walking this day through a valley of shadows and pray for sister churches and mission partners near and far that together we may present uh, your love uh, to this world in need. Keep those who are seeking to keep us safe uh, in the community, uh, in the medical uh, healing arts, Lord. And we do pray in this time of pandemic, in this time of uh, social and civil unrest, that you would be doing a deep and rich and and uh, renewing work, uh, building faith and hope and love, not only in our lives, but in many lives. And so, Father, hear us as we offer these prayers with gratitude. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, who died on the cross, and we offer the prayer now that he taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. May the God who loved you, loves you, and demonstrated that by sending his Son to die on the cross, may that God keep you this day and forevermore.